Hi, I'm Vincent Andrasani, and this is Episode 9 of The Place of Sound. Thanks very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks also to those who've been following along through the first few episodes of the show. For those who are listening for the first time, The Place of Sound is a show that explores the theme of space, or the social geography, using sound and listening. We do so through a variety of audio media production formats, so you can expect to do a few different types of listening in a single show. Episodes consist of what we refer to as audio portraits, or oral history-style interviews that explore the topic of home. Soundscape compositions, which use everyday sounds to communicate the personal and social significance of a given place. And we typically end the episode with a short documentary-style piece that, over recent months, has explored the topic of social isolation, something we know all too well as a result of our lockdown experiences. These are the types of projects that you can expect to hear on The Place of Sound, and all of them are produced by students here at Carleton University. They're what gets produced in comms 4501, Digital Media Production, which is a fourth-year workshop course in the Communication and Media Studies program. In the last episode, we listened to some great projects by Kathleen Collins, Catherine Hammond, Wendy Bocata, and Xiaoyi Chen. We have another round of great projects this time as well, but before we listen to them, we'll pause for a quick announcement by Omer Ongun. Omer is the spouse of Jihan Erdal, a sociology PhD student here at Carleton University, who's been detained in Istanbul since fall of 2020. Omer's got a really important message about Jihan, and he shares information about how you might get involved to help bring him back to Ottawa. Hi, my name is Omer, and I am Jihan Ardal's spouse. Jihan Ardal is a sociology PhD student at Carleton University, an award-winning youth researcher, peace and LGBTI plus activist. Jihan was arrested in Istanbul in September 2020 while he was conducting his research. His arrest was linked to two social media posts made seven years ago, calling to protest the Turkish government's failure to protect Kurds against ISIS massacre attempt in northern Syria. 2,500 academics and 30 international organizations, including Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch, released solidarity statements for Jihan. European Parliament condemned Jihan's detention and the United Nations Working Group on Arbitrary Detention made inquiries to Turkey. Today in Turkey, thousands of students, journalists and intellectuals are unjustly in prison. Like other dissidents behind bars, Jihan is arbitrarily and unfairly detained. Help us free Jihan Erdal and bring him back to his home in Ottawa. Visit freejihanerdal.com and follow Free Jihan Erdal on Twitter. As Omer mentioned, 
If you're interested in learning more about Jihan's present status and what you can do to help out, be sure to check out the at free Jihan Erdal account on Twitter and the corresponding website. Okay, on to the projects. In this episode, we'll listen to an audio portrait, a soundscape composition, and a podcast. Three projects in total. The audio portrait is by Rachel Bender Kerbel and is on the topic of home. Rachel's piece is called The Meaning of Home, and it features her father, who describes what home means to him, recalling his own upbringing with fondness and affection. The soundscape composition is by Kayla Merino and is called Lessons from the Shop. In it, Kayla explores the sounds of a place that she literally grew up in, the equipment shop that her parents have owned since Kayla was little. Throughout the piece, Kayla describes the initiative and the drive demonstrated by her folks to grow a successful business, but also she considers what these experiences there might mean in terms of her own career aspiration. And the final project is a short documentary style piece by Samantha Atkins titled, You Can't Put That Genie Back in the Bottle. The piece is a fascinating exploration of the tensions between global mobility and immobility before, during, and after the pandemic. Samantha recounts her own experiences as a traveler and the experiences of her parents as Canadians who were living abroad until the pandemic. She also takes this opportunity to interview a couple of people who work in the aviation industry, including her father, who comments on it from a unique perspective as the CEO of the Comox Valley Airport Commission. Stick around to listen to this fascinating project, but in the meantime, I'll let Rachel introduce her audio portrait titled The Meaning of Home. Hi, my name is Rachel Bender Kerbel, and I am a fourth year communications and media studies student at Carleton University. This audio portrait is a conversation I had with my dad about the concept of home. We discuss what home means to him and how that meaning has changed over time. We talk about how he has made a sense of home for me and my family and how that differs from how my grandparents created a sense of home for him growing up. I hope you enjoy. When you guys were very young, it was a place that mom and I could create where you felt safe and where you felt like you could be yourselves. As you got older, then on top of that, we wanted to make it a place where you could thrive, where you could thrive emotionally and where you could thrive intellectually. I think the smell of certain foods cooking. When I was a kid growing up, it was the smell of... Um, it, it was the smell of and it was the experience of, for us, a Friday night dinner. So, And this is an, another interesting tangent we could talk about, which is the role of religion in a home. Because when I grew up, while I was not particularly religious, we always had Friday night Shabbat dinner. The family would sit around the table, say a few prayers, 
And it was just a consistency that we had. And then we also um, celebrated Rosh Hashanah with family, Passover with extended family. I mean, all the cousins will get together for that one. So that's another interesting part of home. And I think while we've given you guys a little bit of that, we celebrate the high holidays, um, I remember you telling me once not that long ago that you don't believe in God. And that sort of struck me through. Like, I was stunned by that. To think that, and I guess I shouldn't be because we didn't really give you a religious education at all. But that's so different from how I grew up. The other important thing for us um, as a family that helped to create home is our dogs, right? We had Shadow for 17 years now. Shadow's been like a miracle dog, still kicking after 17 years. And now we have North, who's just over a year old. And well, I was a little skeptical about getting North, I have to say that I'm I'm really enjoying it. So definitely for us, dogs. And that's different from when I was growing up. When I was growing up, we did have dogs, but I didn't necessarily have the same affection for them as I do now. And I think maybe that's because I see how much you guys love the dogs. With all of the children, all four of you having now moved out, home does feel very different. It feels calmer, quieter. But when you come back, and you and Aaron tend to come back at least a couple times a week, uh, we really, really enjoy it. So now that you've sort of moved away, it's it's special when you guys come back. A home that's big enough so that we can all have our own space when we need it. A home that's big enough, and that's why I like this one so much, so that when you guys start having your families, there's enough room for you guys to comfortably come back with, with our grandchildren, God willing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, a home that's comfortable for as much family as, as we can get in here. My name is Kayla meeting you. Lessons from the shop is a soundscape composition created about my dad's mechanic shop. Established in 2004, I chose this place because of the impact it had on my upbringing. It's loud and busy with sounds of engines running, metal being welded, the clanking of parts together, and the constant opening and closing of office doors. Though an atypical place to have spent part of my childhood, the exposure to it taught me what jobs in life I didn't want and how success isn't dependent on how much education you've completed. I get an early start to the day to head to the shop. I'm not here often. The work here isn't something I see myself doing for the rest of my life. But it puts a smile on my dad's face when I pop in. This is where I spent most of my time growing up. Hello, bye. Hey. You go pick up a part of the Pasco? My parents immigrated to Canada when they were about my age. My dad never completed school further than grade six, and my mom barely had her high school diploma. Even then, they still became successful. 
My dad's worked in mechanics since he was 12. He worked on motorbikes and cars in Portugal, was in the Navy, worked as a mechanic when he got here, and established the shop in 2004. Unfortunately, there's an emphasis on the importance of university. My parents think it's the right path too, although that's hypocritical if you ask me. Growing up, my mind was saturated with university presentations and recommendations, but lacked resources to explore alternatives. Trade school, college, those seemed to be left out. Going straight to work? Unheard of. Having grown up around the business, I didn't want to partake in school. I experienced firsthand what entrepreneurship looked like. I saw the work ethic. I watched how the shop was run and knew what projects were going on. There were lessons here school couldn't teach me. I'm all for immersive, hands-on experiences. I discovered my dislike of paperwork by being in the office. I never want to be limited to the same four walls doing repetitive, tedious tasks day in and out. I need changing, challenging tasks and want the flexibility of being able to move my day around or to work from home. Hi, Apex Equipment. Out in the yard, I'm being taught how to handle a boom lift. I want my education to come from experience. Okay, go there. You don't need a degree to prove what knowledge you have. If someone wants a degree, that's fine. But the narrative of a singular route to success is problematic. If my parents had these limiting beliefs, who knows if they would have tried to open up the shop. Because I grew up seeing my parents as leaders and business owners, that inspired me to want to be my own boss as well. With the day done, I head back home. Hi, my name is Sam. This is my podcast titled, You Can't Put That Genie Back in the Bottle, The Airline Industry and Non-Essential Travel Bans. During these unprecedented pandemic times, non-essential travel bans are affecting the airline industries like never before. However, I think that sometimes we forget that there is more to travel than our vacations. We all remember that flight attendant that made our first flight manageable, or the pilot whose funny announcement made the turbulence seem not so bad after all. Where are they during these trying times? As I will reveal in this podcast, it seems these are the people that we should consider when discussing the impact the travel bans have had on the airline industries. Travel is a huge part of my life. Last year, I was living between Canada, where I go to school, and England, where my parents lived. Being able to travel freely between the two countries was something I totally took for granted. Tonight, U.S. cases of coronavirus more than doubling. The CDC confirming all five patients in the U.S. had traveled to Wuhan. Tonight, the CDC is expanding its travel warning, urging Americans to avoid non-essential travel to all parts of China, not just the outbreak's epicenter. We are also learning that the federal government is restricting travel from the U.K. as of midnight tonight. It's a move to stop the spread of a fast-spreading variant of the novel coronavirus. And so, starting in March 2020, everything changed for my family. 
We thought everything would be fine. It would all blow over. I still traveled to London to stay with them for the summer. I even made a TikTok of my experience traveling during the pandemic. It was so rare to fly during this time that my TikTok ended up going viral with 441,000 views. It went like this. I traveled international during a global pandemic, so you don't have to. Don't worry, I was going home and we got all these cleaning supplies and the airports were super empty. My flight was literally the only flight leaving from Toronto International. It was so abandoned, there was a bird. Um, but then I still got a beer and then my flight was super empty. There was only one person in my section. We had to wear a mask for the full seven hours. Um, I got my own row to sleep, which was cute. And they had ASMR, which was weird. And then when we got to Heathrow, it was also super empty. And then I got home and clapped for the NHS because they're heroes. London, baby. And my sister and I even took a trip to Amsterdam. But this summer actually was too good to be true. Because in the months after my sister and I came back to Ottawa, it became clear that we would not be able to travel like that again. So my parents moved back to Canada. I decided to talk to my dad about the decision to move from England to British Columbia. Your life was affected by the pandemic living overseas from Canada. And then, well, I mean, we could still fly, but as soon as you guys got back to Canada, you couldn't fly anymore. Um, we rely a lot on um, global mobility and the rug was pulled out from under you. And that led to some pretty big life changes. I'm sure it wasn't the only factor, but... So, no, it wasn't the only factor. There was two factors involved. Uh, one was the opportunity, this current position becoming available. And if there hadn't have been a pandemic, I'm not sure I would have taken this opportunity because we were over in Europe to work uh, and to see Europe. And so the combination of the pandemic meant that I wasn't able to do the job or the leisure activities that I'd gone over there to do. And then having both of uh, you, our daughters, here in Canada, while we were overseas during a global pandemic, meant that we couldn't just hop on an airplane and, and come if we needed you. I mean, uh, my grandfather was a traveling salesman when it meant getting on a boat and going to India for six months and coming back. Um, you know, that's not the world we live in today. In certain ways, uh, London, England was closer to Ottawa than Comox, British Columbia is in terms of one flight or two flights uh, and a little closer. But the moment the country started putting up barriers, well, the freedom of mobility, the ability to get home or for you girls to come to see us was being impacted. And that was, that was something that um, your mother and I were just not comfortable with. And so the combination of this job as an opportunity, not being able to travel for leisure, not being able to do the things at work that I went over there to do, and being uh, in a different country than our daughters during a pandemic was just something that made the decision to relocate back to Comox uh, an easy one. So there you have it. My family and I were personally affected by the travel barriers caused by government responses to the COVID-19 pandemic. But I've come to realize that my personal ability to travel is not where the impacts of the virus on the travel and airline industries end. Take it from my dad, who has a much more informed perspective than I do. So I'm the chief executive officer at the Comox Valley Airport Commission. 
He's actually the CEO of an airport, and he's witnessed firsthand the impact that the pandemic and travel restrictions have had on the Comox Valley Airport and the airline industry as a whole. If you follow the current government advice, you're only supposed to travel for essential reasons. So currently we are at 15% of our normal passenger levels for this time of the year. It was only worse right at the beginning, the first month or two of the pandemic, and then things started to recover. But since uh, since the second wave at Christmas, and, and then since then, we've been down to about, uh, down about 85% from our normal traffic. Like obviously the industry is hurting. Well, the industry is hurting. I mean, for the Comox Valley uh, Airport, we made a commitment, again, that small family atmosphere, to try to keep a lot of our staff employed. A lot of them are, they're in situations where they, they can't afford to not have the job. They live paycheck to paycheck. And the Canadian government's uh, Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy has helped, helped a lot. So it's paying about 65% of our wages. So it's allowed us to weather the storm. You know, we're still losing. Uh, we usually would have revenues uh, or profits of two and a half to three million dollars a year. Um, and this year, our last fiscal year, um, we're going to be down, but still, um, you know, a complete reversal from where we were uh, even a year ago before the pandemic. The Comox Airport has not had to lay anyone off despite their drastic reduction in flights and profit. But not everyone has been so lucky. You were a flight attendant? Yes, exactly. I was a flight attendant. And you lost your job because of COVID? Well, exactly. Because of COVID and the fact that it COVID affected the aviation industry. My best friend, Maud, was laid off from her job as a flight attendant due to the non-essential travel bans and resulting lack of flights. I quickly realized that with Time passing in the way that COVID was affecting the entire world with the lockdowns. And yeah, I realized that I was not going to be headed back to aviation for a little while. So now it has made me kind of like I have a career change here that I didn't really think about. Big, big changes. And uh, I haven't really figured it out still. I mean, we're a year later Like, I still have bills. Like, life still continues on. You can't just sit around and wait. So, I mean, here I am trying to find something that brings me as much joy as what being a flood attendant was. But, yeah, I still hope that I will go back. I mean, I I think that we all have to keep hope for the things that we want. So, I try to focus on, like, the positive and... Obviously, the shock of losing a job will involve financials and concerns about paying the bills. But for Mode, her role as a flight attendant was so important to her identity. And it's really hard, too. Like, it was one thing losing a job during a pandemic, but losing your passion during a pandemic. Then having to do the whole career change, being a flight attendant was my passion. Like, going to work was not work. So when you find a job where you don't feel like you actually have to work, even though it is work, like it's the best feeling in the world. So when I go from losing like my whole identity almost. My dad feels similarly. It seems that the airline industry is full of passionate people. Um, But it does seem to be one of those jobs that people really love to do. And I definitely really love flying um, and miss it already. The other thing, I think that a reason a lot of other people like flying 
or like aviation is because it opens up a world of possibilities. You get to go places, you get to see things uh, that otherwise, you know, are out of reach. Um, and even if you're in an airline job, you fly to a different city, you might only spend six, 12, 18 hours there, but at least you get to get out and walk around in a different city and then come home again. So there's a sense of, there's definitely a sense of adventure. There have been concerns in the media regarding the airline and travel industries and their role in the spread of COVID. As much as I want aviation to come back, there's the whole thing with COVID and the only reason it got here was because of aviation and who's to blame or we always look for people to blame. You got to look at all the positives that a global transportation system uh, creates. You know, the fact is there's more ability to get on an airplane and treat disease or move supplies. The vaccine is being shipped by air. So it did play a role in the spread, undoubtedly, because that's how it gets from country to country. But, you know, the Spanish flu still made it around the world. That was before air travel. So, But from the context of this podcast, I'm sure you can understand that there are real human lives that are dependent on these industries. My dad and his employees' livelihoods could be on the line, and others haven't been so lucky. Moda's is facing an unexpected career change and a loss of the job she loved. These are real consequences of limiting travel. Listen, I understand the ban on non-essential travel and the cost of the virus, but the pandemic and the emphasis on slowing the spread will be over someday. While some people speculate that the travel and airline industries may never recover, my dad so eloquently argues. In terms of global mobility, you know, you, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. In this global world in which we live, when people just don't live in the same city anymore, or even in the same country, it is so important to connect a country like Canada uh, that is so big. Um, and I was talking to people today where, you know, haven't seen their parents in Halifax in two years. Uh, or haven't seen their family in Toronto in a year and a half. It's it's not realistic to drive across the country to see them. So aviation is the one that plays that role. Yeah, it'll be good to have it back. It will be good to have it back. Thanks for listening. Gotta take off. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode of The Place of Sound. But before I sign off, a couple of quick notes. The first is about the new featured work section on The Place of Sound website. It's a blog that presents some of the individual projects that you'll hear or have heard on this show. On the site, you're of course able to play the audio work itself, but you can also see some of the original photos and the writing that students produce to go along with the audio. Since you can't read that writing or see those photos on the radio show, this is a great way to access it. So check that out in the blog section on theplaceofsound.ca. And the second note is that we've now put together enough episodes that there's a bit of an archive emerging. To listen back to previous episodes, you can find them in two places, on ckcufm.com or on the website at theplaceofsound.ca. But in the meantime, Keep your ear out for upcoming episodes, which air on CKCU Radio every other Monday at 6.30 p.m. Until next time, 
Thanks for listening to The Place of Sound. <laughs>